The countdown has begun. This May, a thousand global leaders will gather in Doha for the Qatar Economic Forum powered by Bloomberg, held in conjunction with our official partners, the Qatar Ministry of Commerce and Industry and Media City Qatar and premier sponsor QNB. Join heads of state, influential ministers and leading CEOs to make new connections and gain unique insights. Learn more at QatarEconomicForum.com. The Supreme Court struck a blow for free speech on the Internet. In one of the first cases the court has taken to address the relationship between the First Amendment and the Internet, the justices unanimously threw out a North Carolina law that barred registered sex offenders from using social media sites that let minors become members, including Facebook, YouTube, and Twitter. My guest is Stuart Benjamin, professor at Duke University Law School. Stuart How broad is this ruling? Is the court basically saying that access to social media is a constitutional right? Um, That's part of what's interesting, because the court was unanimous. All eight justices participating voted to invalidate this on First Amendment grounds. But the majority, the five-justice majority led by Justice Kennedy, really used very broad language in talking about the importance of cyberspace and the uncertainty of where it will go, and the argument of the majority was, and in light of that uncertainty, we want to, we, we want to be as starchy as possible in applying First Amendment tests. That is to say, we want to err on the side of invalidating regulations because we want to let social media go where they may. They note that there's more people on social media than in North America. Um, and so there's a very heavy element here of let's try to have social media be as open as possible and as subject to as little uh, reg- First Amendment regulation as possible. What was the state's defense of the statute? So the state's defense was pretty straightforward. Um, it's very hard, they say, to stop people who are pedophiles, who are preying on children, and we need we, we don't have any good narrow preventative measures. What we what we need to do is have this broader approach that says you're not going to go on Facebook, you're not you're not going to go on Twitter, you are not going to be on any sites where where you can start engaging in conversations with young people, find out where they live, arrange to meet them, um, etc. We and in effect we the state can't figure out a better way of achieving this. You referred to the separate concurring opinion by Justice Samuel Alito, which was joined by Chief Justice John Roberts and Justice Clarence Thomas. Alito said he agreed with the result, but not what he said were undisciplined <laughs> remarks in <laughs> Justice Kennedy's opinion. Explain the what he called undisciplined. So what is reasonably remarkable about the majority opinion, what clearly will be significant for going forward, is that... Kennedy's majority uses the language that we associate with public forums, like streets and parks, which have always been the most protected from any sort of speech restriction. You get to go on the street, go in a public park, and say just about anything. Um, and the government has no has its most limited ability to restrict you in those contexts. And um, Alito's saying, hey, this is way too, this, this language that you're using, talking about the vast democratic forum, forums of the Internet, which is picking up on a, on a case decided, believe it or not, 20 years ago on indecent communications um, over the Internet. This broad language that you're using is too broad um, because we might want in some future case to allow some flexibility for legislatures, in fact, 
to put some limits on social media for pedophiles or for or, or for other people, and you are now making it seem like it's too difficult for any legislature to be able to do that. What does this mean for the regulation of offensive speech on social media? Is the government not going to get involved in it now? Um, it is very hard to see how the court would allow such regulations. Um, it was already the case, in this case I mentioned from 20 years ago, the Communications Decency Act uh, tried to put limits on indecent speech over the Internet, and the Supreme Court rejected that, then rejected later legislation that tried more modestly to, to limit uh, indecency. Um, I don't see any serious possibility of a legislature coming up with language that the Supreme Court would find, here's the term of art, sufficiently narrowly tailored. You've got to, you, you, you would have to have legislation that perfectly covered only the speech that advanced your government interest and nothing else. Very hard to see how a legislature is going gonna, is gonna to do that. If I'm a legislator and I read this opinion, I think to myself, boy, it's really going to be hard for me to in- engage in any meaningful regulation of social media. Stuart, is this decision in line with the way the Supreme Court has treated free speech claims? Well, this is a this is a, a court that has been very very aggressive in invalidating regulations um, that infr- that infringe on uh, on speech. So yes, very much in line with what it did. Let me just remind you: uh, only a few years ago, um, the court eight to one uh, invalidated uh, restrictions on what on what could be said when you're coming out of your son's funeral. Westboro Baptist Church puts up signs saying things like, thank God for your dead son. There was a tort suit brought against him. The Supreme Court said that is invalid. We can't have the limit even this most offensive kind of speech. And the only surprise actually really was that it wasn't unanimous. The only surprise was that it was 8-1. And who was the one? Justice Alito. And and here and here he is uh, writing for a little bit more uh, hold back on on the First Amendment. So I guess that is consistent as well. Thank you so much for being on Bloomberg Law. That's Stuart Benjamin, a professor at Duke University Law School who specializes in First Amendment issues. The countdown has begun. From May 14th to 16th, a thousand global leaders will gather in Doha for the Carter Economic Forum, powered by Bloomberg. Join heads of state, influential ministers, and leading CEOs to make new connections, gain unique insights, and uncover valuable opportunities in one of the world's most rapidly rising regions. Request your invite for this exclusive event at CutterEconomicForum.com.